people been talking And it made me scratch my head I said people been talking And it made me scratch my head Hey, how you doing? John Tejas here, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Diddy Why Diddy. Uh, I had interviewed my friend Paul Osher about eight or nine months ago, and uh, it was great. We were going to put it out uh, at the next installment of the series. Sadly, Paul passed away yesterday, um, but this interview will be more of a tribute to a good friend. I'm not going to say much about, you know, what kind of guy he was because you can listen to the interview and tell everything you need to know about Paul so this is a tribute to my friend Paul rest easy how you doing Paul it's such a pleasure to have you on how you doing today Paul alright I'm doing fine today uh, Quan. Good, I good. thought I was going to go down to uh, South uh, to uh, Bandera to help my girlfriend, but she wasn't. Uh, she's changed her mind. Well, I'm glad oh. we. I'm glad we get to do the um, this interview. Well, let me ask you this question here: How, how did you get interested in music? Um, I tell you, I really wasn't that interested when I started. Uh, my father wanted me to play the accordion, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there was nothing about that instrument that I liked, you know. Um, he had a friend of his that was Italian that was an accordion player. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my father's like, was like my grandfather because he was born in 1896. So he was like in his 50s when he had me. So he, he thought that, he said this, if you learn how to play the accordion, you will never want for a job. Because it used to be popular. You know, they used to have that accordion player play at parties and stuff like that you know, uh, in his time, you know. Anyway, so he, he'd take me into the music store with the Italian guy to look at accordions. And he shows me, accordion can play like any instrument at all. He shows me these switches on it, bat, bassoon, clarinet. They got piccolo, all these like oh, man. switches, like, like the instrument's supposed to sound like all those things. It still sounds like an accordion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, so he said, yeah, he asked me what, what I want to play, man. You know, and this was like around 1958. This is when like Elvis was out and all that stuff, of, you know, and rock and roll. And and I said, I want to play play the guitar, you know. And he said, No, no accordion. So he said, Take me over there and tells me the accordion can sound like everything. So anyway, his friend was giving me lessons, and he rented me a 12 bass accordion, and uh, I had to play that practice that an hour after school you know all the kids be out in the street playing stickball and stuff like that you know and i'm playing this damn accordion man so i, I really i hated it so anyway it, it didn't last too long because i got mad and threw it down and the whole thing came apart <laughs> <laughs> and then i i picked up i picked up uh it looks like a harmonica actually inside you know got holes with reeds and stuff so i picked that up and just blew it a little bit i guess that was my first hop <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. That's 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 crazy. Yeah, but but it was just some time then before I, uh, I must have been about I don't know nine, ten years old or something like that when that happened, you know. And uh, 
Then when I was 12 years old, I was working in a grocery store after school, delivering groceries. They had a bicycle with this big uh, like thing welded in the front of it where you could put bags of groceries and deliver it on a bicycle. Maybe you get a dime or a quarter tip, you know. And that, that time, that was in the 50s, a quarter would buy you a slice of pizza and a Coke, mm. you know. And a dime would buy you a, co- a Coke. Yeah, you get a slice of pizza for 15 cents. And uh, Coke for a dime. And so anyway, so, so you know, if you get made 50 cents, man, two trips, that was pretty cool, you know. So anyway, so um, there was a guy that worked in the grocery store, a black guy, about 28 years old. And a dark-skinned fellow with a, with a processed hairdo, yeah. you know, and a g- couple of gold teeth. Yeah. He's from Georgia, actually. So my uncle had given me a harmonica, so I'm... Um, I'm waiting outside to see if anybody wants a delivery or any old people come in that I could help, you know, and uh, I'm practicing the harmonica. He gave me a harp, you know, it was like a C harp, I guess. And I'm, they had a little pamphlet that came with it. Like you play like Red River Valley or should we come around a mountain? And it shows you blow four, blow, draw four, you know, like that. Yeah. I'm trying to learn it like that. Not, it didn't give you notes. And just get me in and out, you know. So I'm trying to practice. I'm playing like, you know, Red River Valley. Oh, like that. And so mm. this guy said, hey, kid, let me see that whistle you got. <laughs> so I said, you know, I'm thinking to myself, shit, this is a harmonica. It's not a whistle. You know? yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, but, but I, I, I didn't say nothing. You know, I give him the harmonica, you know. And then he took it and he kind of looked at it and he, uh, he made like he, he didn't know anything about it, you know? And he's just trying to play, play a little couple of little notes, you know? And then he turned it around with the numbers going the other way, mm-hmm. you know, with my like 10 to 1 instead of 1 to 10. Mm-hmm. Turned around, and he cupped out her mind, go, whoa, 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 like that, you know, man. <laughs> man, it just blew my mind, man. <laughs> I never heard some big sounds, man. I mean, it was a huge sound, the tone the guy had, man, you know? And he's just playing that shit. And then he started playing. He could tap dance at the same time. Oh, man, he was cooking. Oh, yeah. Okay, he could tap dance at the same time as doing that. And then he's the one that, uh, I don't know if you saw the, the video tricks on my website. I turned the harmonica around like a clock. Yeah, I so seen that. Do that shit. And I was telling people about that shit. Took me like 35 years to figure out what he was doing. But anyway, uh, yeah, so he could do that too, man. And the sound was so beautiful. Like the tone, I mean, it was just, you know, I, it, just, it just resonated with me, man. You know, it's like you don't pick the blues, the blues picks you, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it does something to you, you can't let it go. personally think and you tell me what you think but I, I personally think that you started a new wave of harmonica players would you agree to that um yeah i certainly did start a new wave of harmonica players and plus i started doing the tongue blocking thing before any of the other people would be before any white harmonica player there's charlie muscle white and there's paul butterfield and uh then there was me but i was playing the tongue blocking now I did that because I'm not sure if everybody played like that. No, Big Walter played like that. But 
um, you know, little Walter could have played with his lips. And, yeah. But I always heard that little, that little, you know, hit in the back, you know, that rhythmic mm-hmm. thing going on. And then I looked at the instructions, and it, it showed you to lay your tongue on the side of the hop, and you play the notes out of the corner of your mouth. So I said, it's got to be like that, because when you're playing with your lips, you just don't get a covered sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing, it's, it's like, it's like uh, thin, real thin, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. For so sure. anyway, so I learned how to do that, you know. You said you were the first, the first uh, white harmonica player to do that. So you, were you first, the first like white yeah, harmonica? In the blues, in the blues, the first white harmonica to be playing the tumbucket method in the blues. Okay, so. I got you. I got you. So I mean, there were white harmonica players that played tumbucket like the harmonicats, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, the uh, peg of my heart was the hit record, and you know, the guy that made that record, the engineer mm-hmm. that was done in Universal Studios, and the engineer was Bill Putnam. And he's the guy that invented the uh, Echo. Oh, okay. sound. yeah, Echoes. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. that was the first record that he used that Echo on, Peg of My Heart by the Harmonicats. And the second one that he used it on was Little Walter. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Because that, that's... Chess Records rented Universal Studios in Chicago to record. Mm. They didn't do it in Chess. Now, now, what year did you get okay. um, with with Muddy? Because you, like, like I said, you were the first major uh, uh, white blues white player in the blues, really, in the United States, right? No, I said Charlie Musselwhite was playing blues. You know, uh, in a band. It was nobody. It was it was nobody playing in a black blues band full time or anything like that. They might have been coming into Pepper's Lounge, maybe sitting in or, or in the other place on 39th Street. I know that uh, there's a story where Elvin Bishop and uh, uh, Muscle White and Butterfield and uh, this other guy that was from that group came in there and uh, Muddy was playing there, Smitty's Tavern, and mm-hmm. Muddy was playing there. Muddy thought they were IRS. <laughs> 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 he said to go out the back door. <laughs> what year did you get? What year did you get with uh, Muddy Band? What What year did you get uh, introduced to the Chicago uh, blues thing? Oh, okay, all right. Look, we got to back up a little bit now. Then. Okay. So, so I learned this uh, harmonica with this with this guy Jimmy. He's from Georgia, somewhere Eastman Eastman Georgia. This guy was great, man. He sounded like he had the tension in the harp like Howlin' Wolf, right? Oh, man. You know, when Wolf was playing, you know, he had yeah. all that pressure that he puts in the hop, right? Oh, yeah. And then he had the tone like Big Walter. Oh, and he man. could he sing like tough. Junior Parker. He could sing like Junior Parker, man. He could sing Driving Wheel, man. And, uh, you know, My Baby Don't Have to Rock. You know, that one. And yeah, also Mother Law Blues. He did that. And he could do uh, Buster Brown, you know, uh, um, Fannie Mae. Yeah. You yeah. know, played like that with that style. Uh Big guy could play, man. Period. But he he was he played in medicine shows. Oh, you man. know, I you know he he told me he was a professional. He played medicine shows, you know, and he could so, so he could sing, you know, and and tap dance, do all this stuff at the same time, man. But the, it was the sound of the hop, man, that just that just took me out. And then he's the one that told me. He said, "I said, I said, well, how do you get that sound, said, man? You got to choke the hop." <laughs> I had no idea what he's talking about man choke it like what like choke a chicken i don't know what the hell he's talking about you know? so but he meant he meant cut off the air so you get the, all the pressure and you could bend it you know what i mean yeah for sure that's for what sure. he's talking about yeah and then keep your hands closed around the hop to keep the tone in 
and then open it up when you want it to be open, you know. Yes, so, but uh, but he's the one. But he hit me to Little Walter, and he hit me to uh, um, Wolf, and he hit me to uh, Junior Parker, and you know a bunch of a bunch of. He said, "This is who you listen to," you know. And uh, but he was uh, he was at that time he was also going around nightclubs and stuff, you know, playing. So anyway, I, I was playing the harp for about three years, right? Mm. And uh, and I started getting really good, you know. I could play like Juke, and I could play Sad Hours, Little Walter Sad Hours. <laughs> so I'm walking past this uh, club, uh, it's a black club, named the Nightcap. And there's a guy in a doorway, and the guy's really dressed up. You know, he's wearing like a double-breasted suit, and he and uh, he's he's really dolled up, you know. And uh, and he sees me playing the harp. He says, "Hey, kid, where you working at?" So I said, "I ain't working." So he says, uh, "Why don't you come in here and play for the people?" So I looked in there, and all the men look like you know, like Turner with the processed pompadour hairdos. Yeah. And the women look like the Supremes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, guys were wearing like these long black leather coats and stuff. Yeah, it was just they were, everybody was dressed up, man. So he t- brought me up there, put me up on the stage. The band had gold jackets. Oh man! Right? They had all like that gold glitter gold type of jackets, right? And there was one mic up there. And uh, that mic was like one of them Elvis Presley mics, that big sure mic, you know? Yeah. He says, you just take that harp and you blow it into that mic, okay? And and, and uh, you'll hear what's happened. So I ne- had never played with an amplifier before. I was trying to get little Walter's sound acoustically, you know, to get a big sound, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know he was blowing through the amplifier. I didn't know nothing about that stuff. So anyway, I played one note, man. <laughs> Shoot, man. Oh, man, I tell you, man, it was a Bogan amplifier, a PA system, you know, and that harp sounded so good coming through that thing, you know. So I played um, I played the Juke and I played the Sad Hours. And on Sad Hours, uh, the people really were digging that, the slow, slow blues, you know, mm-hmm. and Juke too, you know. They were dancing with Juke because the band, band knew it and they were playing behind me, you know. So uh, the, the uh, leader of the band, his name was Jimmy May. He could he could sing BB King, he could sing Little Walter, he could sing all kinds of blues, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was from down south too. So I finished. Uh, the guy at the door, he was the MC for the club. His name was Smiling Pretty Eddie. <laughs> Smiling <Okay>. Pretty Eddie. Smiling <laughs> Pretty Eddie. But let me tell you, this guy, he was a pimp too and a hustler, you know. And mm. and when when he smiled, his eyes never smiled. Okay, it was just one of them pasted on smiles, you know? But the eyes were like shooting darts, man. He <laughs> was a bad cat, man, you know? Mm. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, so he, uh, he he said to the people, he said, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the little blue-eyed soul brother. And the crowd went nuts. They just, you know, clapped all over the place, you know? And, and uh, so I, I got off the stage and I started walking to the, towards the bathroom. Right, and there's a shake dancer. The girl's about 19 years old, dark-skinned girl with like a long, long wig, you know. And I'm 15 years old, man. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and she looks up at me with, with these uh, really long false eyelashes. She goes, "Hi, baby." Oh man, oh, God, no. <laughs> that, that was it, brother. That was it. My life. That was it. I fell in love right there and there with right. the people, with the music, with everything, man. At everything. That was my hangout. They had a Blue Monday 
party they used to have every Monday. I used to be there every Monday. And so me and Jimmy May, that guy, we got pretty tight. And uh, we used to go around to these clubs uh, on the weekend. They had a lot of places in uh, in uh, Brooklyn and in uh, in uh, Long Island where there's a lot of uh, country people living, you know. Mm-hmm. And they had these shows. All the shows then, you know, were like, um, they had like reviews. They, you might have a comedian. They could even have a guy with a puppet. You know, they have a female vocalist. These are all people that's just trying to sing on the show, you know what I mean? And uh, the bands, you know, and uh, so we would go out there and we'd uh, sit in on these uh, uh, on these shows, you know, me and J- little Jimmy. And uh, he would throw money at us, you know. So it was pretty cool, you know. He would sing and I played a harp, you know. Uh, he could sing like a blues with a feeling, and I would play the little Walter part on it, you know. Okay, oh, that's and that's... then when Scratch My Back came out, which I learned that note for note. Oh, that's a good one. And that was a Stone get over, man. man. All I had to do was hit that first up. Wow, 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 Just like that, boy. That's it. I, I, I had him. So anyway, Jimmy knew Otis Span. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, Muddy had a big show at the Apollo in 1965, I think it was. And it's a big show with uh, him, T-Bone Walker, Lightning Hopkins, Johnny Hooker. And uh, Jimmy Reed. So I uh, went to that show, and then uh, we uh, went and met the band, you know. And uh, they were staying at the Teresa Hotel in Harlem, you know. And then we wound up going up there and shooting dice and drinking stuff with the band. So anyway, so um, during this whole thing, I had was blowing my harp, and Snake, Luther Georgia boy Snake Johnson, was playing bass with Muddy. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he heard me blowing the harp, and he went back to my mother. You got to come and listen to this boy. He's bad with his harp, you know. So he, he listened to me, and they gave me compliments because I had a big tone, man, at that time, you know, a big sound, you know, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of wind, a lot of wind, and uh, Muddy was very nice to me, you know. I said, "Well, you got a good sound, man." So Muddy came to New York about a uh, maybe two years later, and. Uh, and he came, and he didn't have a harp player. And Snake, uh, Luther Georgia boy Snake Johnson, he called me up. He said, man, why don't you come down here and sit in with the band? And, uh, you know, like that. So I went down there. Muddy uh, called me up on Baby, Please Don't Go. And then he sang Blow, Winds, Blow. And that was he's ending his set right about then, you know. And then uh, after he finished, come down. He's sitting in uh, at this uh, against the wall. And he said, hey, call me over. And he said, uh. Like, can you travel? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, right. I could travel, man. I go, I go around the whole world for you, man. I love your music, you know. So I, I met them uh, at the the hotel where they were staying uh, the next morning, and I uh, got into the van. Muddy had a, a Volkswagen, a green Volkswagen van, and he had a brown station wagon. Mm. And uh, the Volkswagen van had two benches, and they're sitting facing each other. And uh, Otis Span was sitting in there already, and his uh, his wife wasn't his wife, but uh, her name was Lucille. She was sitting across the way from him. And then uh, S. P. Leary, drummer, was sitting uh, uh, next to Lucille, and I would be sitting next to Span, and we were all facing each other, you know. 
So Spanner said to Lucio, baby, give me my shit. And Lucio reaches in a bra and hands him a little twenty-two automatic. You know, and he looks at it, checks it, and puts it in his pocket. And then, uh, actually, he put one in the chamber is what he did. And then put it in his pocket, which is dangerous as hell. But he has, it was a safety on it. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. But I remember thinking that at the time. Damn, why you got to do that now? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But anyway, then he asked uh, SP, give me a taste. And uh, SP had a bottle of Gordon's gin. And he gave it to Span, and Span gave it to Lucille. Lucille gave me the taste. I gave it to SP. SP took the taste, and then he handed it up to Bo. Uh, Bo was Muddy's driver and valet, and he was driving that uh, Volkswagen. And Bo took the bottle and turned it up and took a long drink. Whoa! And he said, whoa, I see the moon, and the moon sees me. God bless the moon, and God bless me. And I said to myself, God damn it. I'm in it now, the real deal. <laughs> that was it, brother. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and, and what did you so say that was? Man, I was happy as a pig in his flop. That's 57. Okay, man. That's wonderful, man. That's a, that's amazing. So really, you... you like I said, you, 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 you started a style here in the States, I would say, uh, in the trend. And I would also say that, uh, man, you tough. <laughs> What difference do you find now from the blues when you started playing it in the 60s to now? Like, what big difference do you find? Well, the real big difference is most of the time when I hear blues, what they say is blues, it don't sound like blues to me, you know? Mm. You know when I was with Muddy, Jimi Hendrix was, was popular at that time, too. But I never came up under Jimi Hendrix because I was playing in Muddy Waters' band. Yeah. And Jimi Hendrix style, I never paid attention to it, you know? It just sounded like a whole bunch of no- noise, you know, except, I, you know, I've watched him since then on videos and he's a very talented cat, very charismatic. But the the way the, uh, all these other musicians followed him, they weren't doing exactly what he was doing. They just playing notes, as many notes as you can fit into a, to any space, you know what I mean? To me, it, you know, space means a whole lot of music. If yeah. you don't have space, your notes don't mean nothing, you know what I mean? You fill up everything with with noise that's it you know what i mean so so anyway so you got a whole lot of musicians they came into the blues so i came into the blues through the front door there's a lot of musicians that came into the blues through the rock and roll door you know what yeah. i'm saying they came in through the rolling stones they came in through the through the, 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 the what's the name led zeppelin you know what i mean so they'll listen to the hard rock stuff you know not me i was listening to the real deal yeah. So I never, ever appreciated that hard rock style at all. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, it's bad because I don't want to talk bad about anybody. I'm just saying it's my taste. My taste is not in that style. The stuff you're playing and the stuff Marquis playing, that's the shit, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and it's all linked together, man. The country blues and the stuff Muddy Waters was doing in the 60s. It's all one thing. It's just... You can follow it. It's a feeling, you know what I mean? Uh, it's all together, you know, telling the story. You see, to me, the blues is it's all about telling the story, you know? 
And For today, sure. they don't even listen to the words of the stuff. You know what I'm saying? The people that are in the audience, they don't listen to nothing, you know? I mean, when I was playing with Muddy, and Muddy singing a song, they had people shout out from the audience. Like, it was like church. They had people shout out from the audience. I hear you, brother. Yeah. Tell it like it is. You know, sing the song. Yeah, you know? That make you oh, want to play hard. sound like my woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, or it's back and forth, and that make you want to play more. Yes, it is. You know, I was playing in St. Louis at the place that I asked Marquez if he could find out about, you know, and Muddy was singing uh, Just Make Love. You know, and I was playing the little Walter Chromatic solo on that. You know, that's a dynamite solo mm-hmm. on Just Make Love. And I used to drop down on my knees when I played that. And this girl in the audience, she yells out, don't stop now, baby. My drawers are wet. See, that is the blues, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's communication. You know what I'm saying? It was all about stuff like that, man. It was real, you know, and just wonderful. I mean, you go walk into the place, you smell all the perfume and... Oh man, it's so cool, you know. Uh, let's see, we got. Yeah, uh, yeah. How, how many instruments do and you play? Get, I'm sorry, go ahead. I play harmonica, guitar, piano, uh, melodica. You know, I'm the first one to play melodica in the blues. Really? I play that with Muddy Band. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that the you can see me playing that on the Chicken Shack. Uh, Muddy used to call that harp a piano harp. Mm. I mean, call that melodica piano harp. But I played it on along with the blues record, and I played it through Leslie Speaker, and that thing sounded like a Hammond, you know, B3. Man. Sounded really good, you know. I mean, and I played bass harmonica. I'm the first one in the blues to do that, too. And not Man. only that, but you, but I tell you one thing. You know all these low harps that got low F? Yeah. And stuff like that. I'm the first one to make a low F harp because I was endorsing for Hona at the time. Hona had a factory then in Hicksville, Long Island. And uh, there was a guy that worked for them. His name was Andy Paskis. And uh, I said to Andy, you know, Muddy used to sing a hooch, uh, yeah, Hoochie Coochie Man in F sometimes. And you know, the original is in first position on the harmonica. Mm-hmm. But to play first position, at that time the F hop was the high F, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, they didn't have a low F then. But to play first position, you couldn't really do it on the high F, it wouldn't sound right. You know, so he had to do it on a low F. So I asked him to take a G-hop and tune this down to F, low F. And nobody had done that yet, okay? So he did that, and I played that hop for Mr. Honer himself, okay? And he really liked it. And don't you know they came out with, like, a year later, a low F hop? I didn't get a dime. But I did it because I want to play the first position on a Hoochie Coochie Man. Like, on a record, it was done in A. You know, but Muddy, sometimes he sang it in F, A, G, you know. I think I told you this before, that his uh, country blues stuff, he used to do an A tuning. Yeah, the yeah. open A, the open A talk, that's some good stuff. It's, it's just like a G tuning, but it's tuned to A. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I did that, and then I played the bass of my, I bought that bass of Monica in 1968, and uh, I didn't start playing it till like 1998. You know, I just had it, you know, and the guy that I bought it from was in the music store. He says he had that in the case for about over 10 years. Uh, it's been in the case. Nobody ever bought it. It says Dragonfly on it, you know. Hmm. So I started playing it, and then I did uh, my record. I did Round Midnight. My hmm. uh, Set on the Blues record, Round Midnight. That, I really like that one. But I don't carry it around with me anymore because it's, it, uh, 
it's all right for a solo show, but if you got a band thing, it slows down the, the tempo thing yeah. too much. I'm with you for you sure, man. I mean? You got a lot of insight on on a lot of harmonica stuff. Like I said, I know I know you you the truth. I knew that anyway. You got you're amazing. Uh, yeah, well, I met Rick Astor. Look here, Rick Astor. We were playing at the Avalon Ballroom in San Francisco. I think we were opening up for Janis Joplin, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, ain't that a bitch, right? Yeah. <laughs> opening up so anyway, so that's where I met Rick Esther, and he was just starting to play then. And uh, same thing with Jerry Portnoy. I met him. He playing at the Quiet Night, and uh, he was just starting to play. So yeah, both of those guys, man, I know I influenced them. And plus all the people that see me playing with Muddy, you know, the, the white guys, they said, oh, if he could do it, I could do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got but, before that they were scared shit. You know that band that when I joined that band, that was a rough looking bunch of cats, man. They all have processed hairdos and they were, were wearing do rags and everybody looked street hard, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Snake. You know, all of them, man. It was and everybody carried a gun. Everybody. And you live with Muddy, didn't you? Yeah, I lived in the basement, man. Yeah, I did. And I also had a girlfriend that lived across the street, uh, Fannie Mae. Her name was Fannie, Fannie Mae. I'm not give out a last name. But... Yeah, we, we got... <laughs> but, man, that see, that's that's a see, that's that's a that's a treat for sure. Blue come through the woods, led up to my front door. Blue come through. If you could name three old-time harmonica players, just some that passed on, like if you had to name three, you don't have to be a top anything, just three off the top of your head, who would you choose and why? I'm going to give you the ones that are most influential on me. Was like Noah Lewis, okay. Then was John Lee Williams, you know, the first Sonny Boy. Sonny Boy one, yeah. Yeah, Sonny Boy one, and then Sonny Boy two, Rice Miller, and then uh, Little Walter, of course, and uh, Junior Wells, and James Cotton. Those are the main ones, yeah. And of course, this guy Jimmy that showed me how to play. Yeah. But those guys, I would say, like, if you want to play the harp, you got you to look at it like it's an evolution of things, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it really is. Little Walter was first playing like John Lee Williams. Everything he played was a copy of John Lee Williamson. Then he made his own sound. You listen to early Little Walter records, you think it was John Lee. You know what I'm saying? So it's all, it's all linked up together, man. Like some of the things Big Walter did, I didn't dig too much because they sound kind of awkward. You know, yeah. some, of his, uh, some of his transitions, like from five draw. But Little Walter, he was just a genius. The thing about Walter was he never played the same thing twice, ever. Ever. Never played the same thing twice, man. That cat had so much shit. You know, Lewis Myers used to say, man, the stuff Walter recorded, man, is only like 2% of what he actually could play. And he was just a genius, man, Walter. I told you the first time I met little Walter, I put this on my record, you know. I was walking down 43rd Street with Snake, Luther Georgia boy Snake Johnson, and uh, Span and Walter... And Johnny Young was sitting in the car. They're drinking. 
And Stan seen me and said to Walter, hey, Walter, that's Brother Paul. That's Muddy's new hot blower. So Walter kind of looked up at me and like, who the fuck gives a fuck? And went, and went back to drinking, you know? And then Span said, uh, Span said, but don't play no cards with that boy because he's bad with that three-card molly. You know, and I used to do that on the street, man. Before I got with Muddy, I could do that. You know, to, to find a red card. You know, mm-hmm. two black. Uh, you know what it is like the show game. You know. Yeah. So uh, I was living in Muddy's basement. So I come up from the basement like two weeks later, and Walter's sitting in Muddy's living room watching TV. And he says to me, "Hey, kid, show me that trick you got." So I said, "Okay." And I used to carry the three cards in my pocket, you know. So I take them out and I shake them up, you know. And I say, "Okay, where's the red card?" So he points to the card. So I said, how much you want to put on that? He says, I'm going to put Jackson on that motherfucker. So I turn it up, and it's a black card. I said, give him my money. So Walter looks straight at me. He goes, uh, he goes, uh, double nothing. I said, okay, you know. And I throw it again. Where's the red card? He takes one one hand, picks up all three of my cards with one hand. He goes, right <laughs> hand, my hand. <laughs> that was a Walter. Man, I told that story to Willie Smith. He said, God damn it, that don't sound like Walter. <laughs> That's great. Man, such an amazing story. That's why I had to I had to interview you. And I and I really, really, really appreciate your time. The last question I want to ask you before we part: uh, anything for aspiring musicians and folks that want to get on this blues journey? You know, what 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 kind of advice you got to give them before we leave, Paul? Uh, just go back and listen to the originators. You know, every blues musician was a composer. Okay. Just the same way Bach was a composer, the same way Mozart was a composer, Muddy Waters had his rules to his style. Jimmy Reed had his rules to his style. They all had their own styles, you know, and they all Mm -hmm. had their own thing. Learn them all. Learn as much as you can, you know, and then get your own shit, you know. And uh, the main thing is don't try to outplay your peers. Just try to outplay yourself, and you'll be all right. Hey, explain, explain that for the folks that don't understand what that means. That means like if you you got competition, don't worry about the competition. You know what I mean? Don't try to outplay that man. He's going to do his thing as best as he can. You know what I mean? You do your thing as best as you can every day. Every day you play, you try to do it better. That's a fact. You know what I mean? That's what you got control of. You ain't got no control of other people. You know, and not only that, don't get into that jealousy thing, man. That's a terrible thing, musicians get jealous and stuff. That's it. I'm with you. Yeah, Muddy never cared who he called up on a band set. Well, that's because very few people could could give him a, a, any uh, competition with his vocals, you know? Yeah. Uh, Johnny Hooker could, but uh, most people couldn't, you know? But, uh, you know, Muddy says they they light. That's what he'd say. It's late. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you read that video with, with uh, Corey Spivy and Muddy Waters and Spans playing. It's a video from 64 Blues mm-hmm. in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should look at that real close, though, because there's a funny thing going on there. Spans singing, and then Muddy is next to Sonny Boy. And then Muddy takes Sonny Boy's handkerchief, 
blows his nose in it and then puts it back in Sonny Boy's pocket. <laughs> I got to go watch it. I got to go watch yeah. Buddy, Buddy was quite looped, man. You could tell by at the end of the thing. When he come up to, for him to say, well, I feel so bad. Yeah, you know, his voice would drop. You know, everybody else had one level voice. Muddy was so outstanding, you know. Just when he sings, I feel so I feel so bad, but the tears just don't roll down my cheeks. <laughs> yeah. you know? Rich you know, boy. Just, but Muddy, Muddy sang the way he talked, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the way he talked, you know. And he's a straight-up guy, man. What he said was his word. You could, He never lied about nothing, ever. You know, this, I saw this woman get shot over there uh, and across the street from his house. And uh, I'll never forget, he, he, he put a thirty-eight in his in his waistband and he had a dashiki that he put over it. And I and uh, the guy come out the doorway again and I was standing next to Muddy. Muddy said, motherfucker, don't scare nobody. You know, just like that, man. You know, straight, really straight, tall, man, you know. Anyway, I got a whole lot of other stories that are going to be in the book. Yeah, and, and we <laughs> and, and we waiting for the book, and I buy three copies of the book, so you know I. Yeah, well, you know what? See, this book is going to be written like you open it anywhere, and you have a good story and a good artist illustration or a photograph, and uh, and I got this newsletter. All you got to do is go to my website. The window comes down. Sign up for newsletter. I put a story for my book in the newsletter. The newsletter comes out once a month. Hey, thank you so much, Paul. And you have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. I greatly appreciate you spending the time with me and uh, doing this for me. Yeah. Well, okay, Quan. You know, I appreciate everything that you are doing. You guys are just keeping the booze alive the way it's supposed to be done. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you will subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. I have some more great interviews coming, so please stay tuned. All right, folks, thank y'all for tuning in. I said, so stop with that foolish talk. It ain't nothing but some mess. I said, stop with that foolish talk. It ain't nothing but some mess. You know the blues ain't dead. He just been taking his rest. Wake up, Mr. Blues.